The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, this old game. Yeah, we're back. Hey, it's uh, East Coast time in your life. It's noon. Thanks for spending noon with me. If you're a West Coaster, I hope you're having a cup of coffee or tea or whatever. But this is Pure Opelka, the early edition on the Blaze Radio Network. So many of you, so many of you reached out over the weekend, and I appreciate it. I think I heard from more of you late Saturday and Sunday than I have heard from in quite a while. And you know what's kind of cool is this audience is engaged. This audience is connected. And a bunch of you hear the the show live, if you're listening today, and, and reach out via Twitter, and I appreciate it. Then a bunch of you pick it up on the SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Play Music, whatever, and you react afterwards. And I appreciate that too. But so many of you reached out this weekend. I'm actually a little slow. So here's a blanket. Thank you for listening. But for those of you who watched the videotape that I posted Saturday after the Preakness, a race which we will not talk about because virtually every horse I bet on lost uh, badly. But um, after the Preakness, I posted a story on theblaze.com about the Times Square car crash and the guy, the jack wagon, who drove his car up on the sidewalk and mowed down dozens of people, killing at least one. Another girl uh, in in critical condition. One of the other victims had basically a reconstruction on the lower half of her body. He broke her leg or pelvis. Her spleen had to come out. It's just horrible. And the video's graphic. It it is um, stitched together video that comes from all the security cameras in the neighborhood. And it was sent to me by a really smart person who said, there's something else here. This isn't just um, a crazy guy on drugs. They're telling us it's not terrorism, but we, we should be a little smarter. And I'm not sure. I, I tend to believe this guy when, when you hear his story that he had smoked pot with PCP and then was 
freaking out. He he claims that he, he's an unemployed guy who was trying to get mental health help and also get a job. And he wants to have a normal life and wants to have a girlfriend. And if you want to get a job and you want to have a normal life and you want to have a girlfriend, you're doing it wrong driving a car up on the sidewalk and killing people after you smoke some pot with PCP in it. But the video, which, again, very graphic. If you watch it, be warned. It's it's awful. But it seemed to have struck a chord with people. And I thought about this um, late Saturday when I started getting all the reactions from you guys. And then again on Sunday. And through most of Sunday when the, when the uh, connections were coming in, whether they were email connections or... Twitter connections, or in some cases, Facebook connections. I was trying to figure out why, why, when we have this, this crash, which I believe, I really believe this, this wasn't terrorism, and it's one guy, and I don't think he was radicalized. I think he was a, a depressed guy on drugs. But why do we keep this alive? Why do we keep the possibility of this so active and it only comes down for me to trust in the media and ultimately trust in the government and those both of those institutions have a trust deficit right now both of those institutions which as a child when i was growing up we relied on the media and we relied on the government for truth but right now, I, I don't know how much of, a, of anything I get from either that I actually trust implicitly. Case in point, obviously, uh, some of the things we played over the weekend, Saturday morning, we played something from both CNN and, and MSNBC, both of which were fake news stories. And so it becomes impossible virtually impossible to trust what what had been the the standard bears in terms of information you know we have we have MSNBC and CNN two of the most allegedly respected highly professional news outlets in the country and yet they can't seem to get out of the way when it when it comes to telling the truth about the president, or just about anything. Even Anderson Cooper this weekend, even Anderson Cooper fell off what I thought was a pretty rock-solid platform of trust, a platform of believability. Anderson Cooper, in a discussion with a panel, lost everything in terms of the trust with me when he had this exchange with Jeffrey Lord. Jeffrey Lord is a Trump supporter. And Mr. Lord is an unabashed Trump supporter. He was there during the entire campaign, and now they've kept him on. I'm sure he's getting paid. But he's a guy who I don't think I've ever heard Jeffrey Lord go against Donald Trump. And apparently Anderson Cooper hasn't either. But what what propelled Anderson Cooper into a place where the Drudge Report had to call him Anderson Pooper. Yeah, that headline was on the Drudge Report this weekend. Anderson Pooper. It, it forced Cooper to not only 
rethink what he said, but he had to apologize. Here's the, the back and forth, and it's a discussion of Donald Trump and what he has said and what he has done. And so I know, I mean, I know you got to bring up Obama every time or, you, you know, you got to bring up somebody else I, I gotta, I gotta because you can't really defend it in all fairness. fairness. You can't defend what the president of the United States just said. I don't care. I mean, I don't I don't care what he says to the Russian prime to the, the Russians. I, I mean, okay. he's the president of the United States. If right. he wants to say that, Barack Obama wants to say whatever. Right. If George Bush says I looked in his if eyes, he took and a dump on his desk. You would defend it. Say it. <laughs> Did you catch it? This is all about the nut job comment that. First of all, there's no proof it was said. There's just an allegation, again, from a leak, from whatever. And going back and forth, and Cooper apparently had critical mass on this. Russian prime to the, the Russians. I, I mean, okay. he's the president of the United States. If right. he wants to say that, Barack Obama wants to say whatever. Right. If George Bush says, I looked in his if eyes. If he took and a dump on his desk, you would defend it. Say it. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what he would do that you would not defend. Anderson, I mean, I, you're, you're a loyal guy. I, I, I think that's a speaks well of you. But I Anderson, this this is offending Eastern media elite sensibilities right here in America. They'll think, yeah, the FBI okay. director wasn't nut job. So Jeffrey Lord apparently didn't hear it. But the other people because he was on remote and using a Skype connection or something. Uh, but the other people in the studio heard it and their response was to laugh. For probably CNN's most trusted or second most trusted anchor to make that statement. And then you wonder why people don't trust the media or the government. You wonder why people don't trust the media. It's not just fake news. It's, it's news that is, is a joke. It's a news with an unmasked agenda. And so when we have a story like the one that is ongoing in New York City, the story, the horrible story of the guy that mowed down all those people, killing at least one, he's charged with murder. I don't think it was terrorism, yet there are a bunch of people who think there is something else out there to this story. And there are people that I never look at and say, wow, got any good conspiracies lately? These are people I think are smart people. But it's because of things like Christian Amanpour, who can't give the president credit for something. Today, just a couple hours ago, President Trump did something no other sitting president has done. No other sitting president in our history visited the Western Wall and he he placed a prayer in the wall. No other president in office has done that. And CNN, it would kill Christian Amanpour to give President Trump any credit. It would absolutely, she would probably dissolve. Here, this is, this is the, uh, the moment, uh, literally an hour ago or less than, on CNN, when they were discussing what the president had done. And Amanpour can't give him credit for doing something no other president has ever done. Well, on the progress or on the history-making front, um, Christian, I mean, we now see that the president, that those images that I hope we can show our viewers once again of him going to the Western Wall, which you believe is the first sitting U.S. president to visit the Western Wall. Um, 
Why do you think he was the first? I, I saw this moment and it made me wonder, why didn't Obama do it? Why did First of all, do you notice the built-in bias already? Why didn't Obama do it? Why didn't Obama do this? He was our, he was our governmental god. Why didn't he do it? And Amanpour can't let Trump have it. And she also can't give him any credit in advance if a deal is made between the, the Israelis and the Palestinians. Bush do it. Well, certainly Obama did it before he was President Obama. As he Senator, did it as but a you candidate. Know, it makes, it makes, yeah, but it makes you know more what? of a statement, you know? It sure it does, and the president has made a statement. But to be honest with you, these are very important uh, pictures, if you like, and Aaron will know this much better than myself, very important symbolism. It's important what the president did today at the Western Wall. But the real issue is not that. The so it's important that he did it. And by the way, Obama did it before, but he wasn't a president, but he did it before. But that's not really important. The real important issue is now can he get a deal done? Something no other president has been able to do. But if he does get a deal done, do you think they're going to give him credit? Pay attention. The real issue is can he deliver what he has said in public to make the ultimate deal? He has gone to the Middle East raising massive hopes that he will bring peace because he's the deal maker that no other president could do actually you know, the actual parameters were laid down when Aaron was there uh, helping President Clinton, and those are the parameters that still exist. And, in fact, a previous Israeli prime minister, Ehud Barak, laid down his parameters and said that he would be willing to, you know, even share Jerusalem. There, all the work has been done towards a peace process. So if Donald Trump does get anything done, and that's really the metric which we will use to measure this if donald trump does get anything done of course we can't really credit him because all of the heavy lifting had been done already by the other the other god of the democratic party william jefferson clinton william jefferson clinton and barack obama the two guys who will get all the credit because, frankly, Obama went to the Western Wall. He, he didn't even have to wait till he was president. He did it as a candidate. And if Trump gets anything done, it's only because Bill Clinton and Ehud, Ehud Barak set it all up ahead of, ahead of him getting there years ago. Well, if it was that good, if Bill Clinton was that, that amazing in the work he set up, and if Barack Obama, Nobel Peace Prize winner, couldn't get it done. What makes you, it just makes me, I know I'm going to start spinning out. It's early. It's Monday. <laughs> we haven't even gotten through the first half hour of the show. This is why we don't trust media. This is why when media tells us something, we get doubtful. We get skeptical. Because they're just lying to us all the time. It truly is fake news. I understand what the president meant. And there's, I have more proof of this, but I have to step away for a quick break. MSNBC also taking apart the president. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the president's speech. Dr. Wendy's going to be here today. Instead of uh, t starting off the third hour of the show, she's going to be joining us at the bottom of the second hour. I also would like to talk to 
a Muslim American about the speech the president gave. We have to figure out if it if it hit any good notes with American Muslims. And we just happen to have one in-house. How about that? If you want to join the conversation, 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. On the Twitter, we already have a vital question, which we will discuss just around the corner. This is Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Yeah, we're going to get to the president's speech this week, and we're going to get to, well, we're going to get to everything. There's new Maxine Waters madness. There's uh, news from uh, General Flynn, Michael Flynn. Oh, boy, I have have some more... (laughs) Some more fake news to share with you, too. But, yeah, and and I would like to talk about the the president's speech and how it was viewed or is viewed by Muslims here in America. And we'll get to that. We were talking briefly about the Billy Bush story, and I, I read the entire interview. And if you haven't read it, you should. If you hadn't read the Billy Bush story, the interview, his take on what happened when the Trump Access Hollywood tape was released. Before you decide anything, you should you should hear his thoughts. Because I think we owe that to him. I think we owe it to people when when they're being accused of stuff. And let's face it, the joke and many, many people have said, yeah, that's the joke that the guy who said the horrible thing he's in the white house and billy bush has been pushed out of show business out of a job he loved and he honestly talks about how much he loved it so i'm wondering where we stand on this where do you stand on billy bush he should get a second chance or b he deserved to be fired and blown out of show business or c you can't decide because currently 73 percent of you believe he should get a second chance And as an ordained minister in the Universal Life Church, yes, it's one of those internet ministries, and a doctor of divinity in the Universal Life Church, and the proprietor of the First Church of the Second Chance, I believe everyone deserves, say it with me, a second chance. Can I get an amen? Yes, thank you for shouting amen in your car or in your office or wherever you are. Everybody deserves a second chance. 
Billy Bush's story is very, very enlightening. And you also feel his pain when he talks about sitting on a plane, getting ready to take off from Los Angeles, from uh, New York to Los Angeles. He's about ready to go home. He's just about to get home or at least get in the air. And he gets a message on his phone. Gee, the Access Hollywood tape is hitting everywhere. What can you tell us? What does this mean? And I'm sure he had a bazillion messages. And he couldn't pick up the phone and talk to anybody for six hours because the plane was in the air and all he had was airplane Wi-Fi. As a matter of fact, between the time the plane was on the tarmac and rolling down towards takeoff, and you know you have to get up past 10,000 feet before you get access to the Wi-Fi, he was in a, a dead zone, a blackout zone. And from that time to the time they got the Wi-Fi fired up, you know, it probably was from zero to 1,000 miles an hour in scandal speed. And then he couldn't do anything until they landed in Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, when he gets off the plane and starts walking towards the luggage area, there is a crush of press. Think of TMZ on steroids waiting for him. Something he'd never experienced. In the article, he says he's never had a press agent. And now he had to have lawyers and press agents and all this stuff. Through it all, Billy Bush accepts what happened, blames himself. He wonders why it was leaked, the tape was leaked, when it was. He wonders, you know, because so many people knew about it. Why did it sit until that time? Obviously, political motivation was there. And how he ended up being the ultimate victim of this uh, tape. But he's trying to come back now. And interestingly enough, when asked, would you like to interview President Trump? Billy Bush responds with, I think, a pretty thoughtful response saying, no, I wouldn't. That would be a spectacle. And that's not what he's trying to do. He's not trying to do a spectacle. And of course, it would be gigantic. Can you imagine the ratings? Billy Bush and Donald Trump sit down for the first interview after da da da. It would be massive. He talked about taking a retreat, a very private retreat that is meant to sort of clear you out and get to the bottom of all that you've experienced. And it's a place where you go in California and you pay $5,000 to spend a week anonymously, pretty much. He said you go by, you go by your, your childhood nickname. Nobody uses their names, just their childhood nickname. No cell phones, none of that, no TV. And then he talked about going to an, a Tony Robbins seminar where 9,000 people were gathered in a stadium. 9,000 people as Tony Robbins was helping them all. And he said Tony Robbins spotted him and pointed to him and the light focused on him. And he said, one mistake does not define you. And that struck a note. So personally, do I believe Billy Bush deserves a second chance? Yeah. I think he got the, the worst end of the deal anyway. Yes, he got a $10 million payout. 
but he also had to rebuild his family as his three daughters. As, as would happen in a case like this, where a, a phrase and a description that we heard from the president came about, and Billy Bush is a, a married guy at the time, uh, 44 years old, married, had a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 11-year-old daughter. Now they're 18, 15, and 12. And you know that those kids heard everything about that tape at school. And he talks about the tears in his daughter's voice when she calls him up to ask him about it. I think Billy Bush has suffered enough. I think Billy Bush deserves a second chance. I certainly think his lesson will carry forward to many other people. And so the vital question is up uh, till the end of this hour. Then we're going to bring in another question because there is another question out there. So if you want to answer it, it's on Twitter at StuntBrain as we speak. The Billy Bush story. How do you feel about it? You have to weigh in. The other big story of the day that I just want to scream about for a while, and I really do want to scream about it, but I'm not going to scream about it. It's about the sea lion and the little girl. By now you've seen it. It it was online for less than 24 hours, and it had 7 million views. 7 million views. Family out at Richmond's Stevenson Wharf in uh, Richmond, British Columbia. You know, it's a regular wharf. There are fishing vessels and pleasure vessels, and they're docked there, and they're going in and out. And because of a wharf has people throwing food off off of boats, and I'm sure there were some fish that were thrown off those boats, there are sea creatures that frequent the area. And this sea lion was there, and people were throwing food to the sea lion. And if you've, you've seen the video, you see the little girl could sit down on the edge of the, of the dock, and the sea lion grabs her. She's facing the other direction, grabs her and pulls her in the water in a second. And thank God that man jumped in. We still don't know if he was a dad, an uncle, or whatever. I think it was like an uncle or something. He jumped in and got her out of that water in a, in a heartbeat. Thank God. It, it reminded me of the story out of Disney where the child was grabbed by the gator and dad couldn't do anything. In this case, the child was saved. But in the 40-second or 20-second commercial you're seeing on TV, what you're not seeing... What you're not seeing is ignorant behavior beforehand. Because here's this sea creature, this monster that lives in the deep, that's as big as this child, probably three or four feet in length and all muscle because it swims. And at one point, the creature actually comes up almost completely out of the water and sizes up this kid. And everybody's laughing like, oh, isn't this cute? Let's remind you, the name of this animal is a sea lion. It's a lion that swims. And if you listen closely, you'll hear the first time the creature comes out of the water and everybody thinks, oh, that's cute. (laughs) 
Here it comes. He's like, I'm bigger than you. And then the girl turns around. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh my God! And you see it in slow motion. It's terrifying. But then again, people, before this, the thing jumped out of the water practically, and you saw it was as big as the child. It's a sea. I blame Disney partially for all their dumb animated things. No, I'm kidding. But these, what are parents thinking? Really, what are you thinking? You're feeding wild animals. I know, I know, let it go. We've all seen it, but I just, I don't know if you had seen the earlier part where the creature actually came up and sized up the kid. And somebody goes, well, he's just about as big as you. Isn't that cute? Here, sit here so he can munch on you. Stepping away. When we get back, let's talk about the Fifth Amendment, shall we? Sure, why not? We'll deal with that next. I'm Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm uh, holding off on my Fifth Amendment discussion because Mark in Maryland is joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. Hope you had a great weekend. What's on your mind today, sir? I think Billy Bush should be given a second chance. Everybody yeah, I'm with in you. life. Everybody needs a second chance in life, uh, except for murderers and rapists. Well, yeah, that's that's true. You you don't get once you cross us. That's my red line too. I'm with you on that. So yeah, you're so you're giving Billy Bush a second chance. Before I dive into this um, this uh, Fifth Amendment thing, did you happen to catch the the statement from General Flynn that he is not going to testify? No, I haven't yet. Let me get on here and check it out. All right. Well, General, I'll, you, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining the conversation. I will explain because uh, we're going to get into this. We're also going to get into the president's speech. Mike Flynn, the uh, retired general who was national security advisor for Donald Trump and is the major focus of these investigations uh, into possible collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Uh, General Flynn, subpoenaed by uh, the House and Senate, and has said uh, not only is he not going to provide the documents they want, but he's not going to not going to answer any of their questions. So uh, in my mind, I go back to Lois Lerner and the IRS scandal when she kept saying, I take the fifth, I take the fifth, I take the fifth. My mind instantly goes to guilty, guilty, guilty. And so when I have General Flynn telling the House and the Senate intelligence hearings that if you want to talk to me, uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. You can ask all the questions you want. To me, that's, that's an admission of guilt. And I know that's wrong. I know that's incorrect to do. But it, it sure feels like it to me. 
Now, you can tell me that I'm wrong, but uh, it sure feels that way. So maybe I'm wrong, Mark. Maybe I'm not. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this later on in the show. I, I may make this the second vital question of the day. What I do have to do is, is get, uh, get prepared because just around the corner, we're going to talk to uh, our friend Cal, who if you watch the Morning Blaze, then you, you know who Cal is. Cal spoke at, uh, or if you listen to the Morning Blaze, thank you, Shamont. If you watch the Morning Blaze, you're sitting there staring at your smartphone, <laughs> envisioning what Doc Thompson looks like. If you listen to the Morning Blaze, you know who Cal is. Cal happens to be a Muslim American. Cal is a guy who has his family roots in Egypt, and he has opinions. And uh, I happen to think the world of Cal. So after I listened to the president's 30-minute speech in uh, Saudi Arabia on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, I thought, I got to talk to Cal. So I placed the call. After we get back, we will talk to Cal. And uh, we still have, don't forget, I have an update on uh, President George W. Bush. I have an update on Maxine Waters. And, uh, oh, gosh, Dr. Wendy is going to join us later, too. She's going to be a little early because she's something. When Dr. Wendy is at Graceland today, I have questions I need answered. So many questions. I would like to do the show from Graceland one day. Well, maybe we'll do it from Dallas in a couple of weeks. Uh, details coming up around the corner in the second hour of Pure Opelka. Come on back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, second hour of the show. We are keeping an eye on all things Trump on his trip. As he is now in Israel, and there's been a lot going on, there will be some statements from President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, I mentioned on Saturday, if you were here, that there are a thousand people that travel with the president on this trip. And, you know, that's kind of an incorrect statement. It's not a thousand people traveling with him. There are a thousand people involved. Because when he goes to Riyadh and then to Israel then to uh, the Vatican, and then to Rome, and then, well, you know, he's bouncing around. People have to go ahead of him and make sure situations are secure. And in the case of Jerusalem, where the president and the first lady are staying, they've had to bomb-proof, gas-proof, and bulletproof the suite, the $5,700 a night suite. So... There, it takes a lot of people, and I think there's about 300 people just to bring Melania's wardrobe. I think she's on her third outfit today, getting a lot of love for her fashion choices from the Saudi Arabian press because she's frankly looking very conservative and elegant, which is smart. And you know what? The whole thing about the headscarf, 
When we checked, Michelle Obama didn't wear a headscarf either, so everybody needs to calm down about that. But the king did come out and shake the president's hand and the first lady's hand, which I think was a big deal. I want to talk about the president's speech and get it from the perspective of a Muslim American. It was a 30-minute speech, and one of the moments in the speech, this is about 25 seconds of it, this was Donald Trump from yesterday. Our vision is one of peace, security, and prosperity in this region and all throughout the world. Our goal is a coalition of nations who share the aim of stamping out extremism and providing our children a hopeful future that does honor to God. Those were Donald Trump's words. Part of the speech that I thought was pretty good, Bob Schieffer, CBS News, not exactly a conservative voice, gave President Trump uh, a grade of very presidential. But I want to know what, what a Muslim American thinks of this. And I, I feel weird saying what a Muslim American thinks of this because I don't think of Cal, you know him from the morning blaze, as a Muslim American. I think of him as a co-worker and a friend and uh, somebody who I respect and trust and all that good stuff. But I, I figured, I, I wonder how he listened to the speech. So I asked Cal to join us this morning. Cal, it's been a while since you've been on Pure Opelka, like from the early days. Yeah, I know. I feel uh, feeling very privileged to be invited back again. Well, you know what? You really do add so much to that show with Doc Thompson. Uh, especially no, Cal's app of the week. Well, that's why I said so much. <laughs> yeah. So very little much. No, I I appreciate the camaraderie and the, the spirit of that team. But, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience with, um, I'm going to say with Muslims in my life. It's not, it's not a topic that comes up all the time. And frankly, for the past couple of years, Usually, uh, radical and extremism are attached to that word. And so uh, after watching this president campaign and then watching his speech uh, yesterday with 50 plus uh, Muslim leaders from around the world, I thought, I wonder how the speech is going. And a lot of Americans liked it. But did you see it? Did you like it? What did you think? I did. I watched it. Um you know, the, my biggest take takeaway was, yeah, he. I thought it was a very good speech. I thought he said a lot of important things. I wish he would. My point is, uh, I wish he would have. He would speak like that to Americans, because uh, when he's on this side of the pond, it, it it doesn't come off the same way when he speaks about uh, Islam and Muslims. You know, uh, it's a lot more aggressive, a lot more um, dividing, a lot more antagonizing when he speaks about uh, Muslims and Islam on this side of the pond. Everything he said at the speech was, uh, you know, very, like you said, presidential. He said the right things. And even especially I like the part where he called out other Muslim leaders and said, you need to take uh, a lead on this and you need to, um, you know, make it clear, not that they don't, but just to, to make take a bit more of an aggressive approach in stopping the idolatry and stopping the radicalism. And that's true. It's 100% true. Um, but he was also very, you know, I thought they all were very self-flatulating. And I just wish uh, he would have spoken that way a bit more on, on this side and in the more, because one of the biggest things he said was that 
the larger percentage of, of uh, victims of terrorism are Muslims, which is a fact. And uh, you never hear those words really come out of his mouth on this side of the pond. Yeah, he brought up the stat. I think he said 95% of the victims of ISIS and Daesh are, are Muslims who are killed because they won't pledge their total allegiance to the ISIS caliphate dream. Uh, he did bring up Iran a lot. And he of did. course, with big time, yeah. Yeah, well, I got a 10 second clip here. This was the president talking about Iran. From Lebanon to Iraq to Yemen, Iran funds arms and trains terrorists. And he talked about the need to isolate Iran. And, you know, I think he, he definitely was playing to a crowd that liked to hear those words as well. And, you know, that right. that line seemed to mirror what you said about Trump in America. He's he hasn't held back on Iran when he's talking about uh, how we deal with the Iranians here. So he's he didn't pull any punches there. Maybe maybe is that the unifying point in all of this? Is it Iran? Um, well, I think so. Iran is not really um, a friend to especially the Saudis or, or really many of the Muslim countries. They all have the same fears that Americans do about how um, Iran deals with terrorism and how they fund a lot of these things and how they openly make statements about, you know, eradicating Israel. And uh, just they're not very diplomatic when it comes to that stuff. And um, a lot of the Middle East agrees. I know I know my family, I have family in Egypt and I talk to them all the time and they, they are worried because they're really like in the center of it all. You know, if Iran decides to launch a nuke or do something stupid over there they're the ones all the ones that are going to suffer the entire middle eastern uh, region so uh, i think he calling them out was was the right thing I, I agree with them and i know that everybody in that room agrees with him too they yeah, weren't I invited this, that summit, so i i thought this was the smart presentation uh and maybe the this is probably the most on script i have seen the president since he raised his hand and took the oath of office, you know, he usually has a tendency to slide off of the teleprompter and, and work the room a little bit. He was uh, very deliberate and very measured in everything he said. I, I'll bet you he got, even though he doesn't sound like he rehearsed it, I'll bet you he got 100% of every word that was written in that speech. And I bet somebody told him, this is the one you, you can't, you can't get off script on this one, Mr. Trump. You got to stay Absolutely, with us, yeah. please. You can't shoot from the hip on this one. And he did. And you're right. He stuck to it. And I think that was a smart thing to do. Well, um, I hope so. I think it was overall, it was uh, it was a good thing. And I think, you know, again, he made a very clear message and it was it was a good one. I think um, uh, one more time to say, I hope he carries that kind of demeanor when he speaks about it um, when he comes back to the back home. Well, there are some people, Cal, and the voice you're hearing on the phone calling in from Dallas is Cal. You hear him on the morning blaze with uh, with Doc uh, on a regular basis and not just with his app of the week. Cal is here because I invited him. He's an American Muslim. Uh, he there's a lot of folks, Cal, who say they really wanted him to use that that phrase, you know, radical Islamic terrorists. And I think he got close but he didn't really say it unless I did. I miss it. No, he did. He said uh, towards the end, he said, we all, you know, we all have to take a step and step stopping. And he paused with, it. he said, radical Islamic terrorism and Islamists. He said it. Okay. So you give him, 
you give him the points for saying that, and you give him points for uh, being clear without being too aggressive. Yes, I, I, I did, 100%. And uh, I thought he brought up a lot of good points. And, and it's stuff that I think everybody knows and agrees with, you know, regarding terrorism and how it needs to be stopped. You know, um, the king before him made a speech to the king of Saudi Arabia and pretty much echoed the same thing that all the region needs to come together to just eradicate it, stop financing it, stop funding it, stop supporting it. Um, so they all seem to be on the same page about it. So well, what uh, do you... I think it was well done. Okay. What do you make of the globe, the little glowing orb that they all put their hands on? <laughs> I thought that was a bit cliche, but I get I get the point they're trying to make. But it, uh, that kind of was a little bit of the self-flatulation that I was talking about between that and, you know, they spend like a good 10 minutes each just talking each other up, both of them. Um, so uh, I guess I see the point, but I think most people get that it's, you know, a little bit see-through. Well, I, I, I tend to agree with you, although we're going to disagree on some of your word use here. So I think that's a G and not a T in that word. One refers to farting and the other. Uh, never mind. We're not going to get into it. Did I say flatulation? I meant flagellation. Yes, you did. And I thought you were doing it on purpose to see if I'd call you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was totally accidental. You've been working with Doc Thompson too much. <laughs> I have. These mornings well, Cal, I I appreciate you, and uh, your your opinion is uh, always well reasoned, and one I welcome. And it's too long; you have to you have to come back on the show again soon. Why don't, why don't we do it when I visit Dallas? I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'll be there in two weeks. Thank you, sir. Right. Have a great no rest of your day. I think you're supposed to have the day off, but I interrupted you. But I appreciate it. I'm on my way to the to the uh, to the OB with the wife. Checking in on baby number two. That's more exciting. That is more exciting. Well, I hope you get nothing but great news. C carry on, sir. All right. Thanks. Take care. There he goes. Uh, Cal, is, Cal truly is just a rock-solid guy. And, again, I have, like, zero experience in the Muslim world, so I'm happy that uh, he's there and available. I'm going to step aside. When we get back, we'll check in and see on the uh, – Remarks coming out of the president's trip as he and Benjamin Netanyahu are speaking after their meeting. And uh, I'm sure a lot of this was ceremonial. And then we'll uh, we'll get Dr. Wendy on the horn in just a little bit. I don't know why, but she's in Graceland and uh, yet still wants to talk about the politics, which is a good thing. And we'll deal with that just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The president and Benjamin Netanyahu are holding a joint press conference after their meeting. And uh, it's always interesting to me. I, I like to watch the president when he's waiting for his turn to speak. Sometimes I think he's he's paying rapt attention and sometimes I think he's He's just waiting for the other voice to stop so he can start. You know, he just I think he's nervous because this is a big deal. 
he did get major props from Netanyahu for being the first sitting American president to visit the Western Wall. He got major props for visiting the Western Wall and uh, and and actually breaking a, a tradition of uh, avoiding it. And Israel is giving itself a little pat on the back for protect, protecting holy Christian sites as the president and the first lady went to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. And he said, uh, he being Netanyahu said, we do, we do protect Christian sites, Muslim sites, as well as obviously temples and Jewish holy sites. Uh, this is, um, this one is kind of like two real close friends getting together. You know, these, these two agree on so much. I don't think we're going to get any surprises out of this meeting. There is some thank you to the Americans for our position on Iran, specifically President Trump and his position on Iran, which I think uh, deservedly so, as you heard with Cal in our discussion beforehand. Um, if anything comes to this, we'll play clips later. I do want to make note of the fact that the, the situation with Turkey and the Turkish embassy in, in Washington, D.C., and the, the horrible beating that happened as the bodyguards, Erdogan's bodyguards, were sent out to beat down people who were protesting outside of the embassy. Uh, it's gotten into a weird place right now as um, Turkey has condemned America over our, uh, quote, aggressive acts against its bodyguards. John McCain was right when he said we should throw them all out. We should, we should throw all of them out. And guess what? The Turks responded not by disciplining their guards, who will probably claim diplomatic immunity over the beating of American citizens. No, Turkey has summoned the U.S. ambassador to, to their embassy in order to make a complaint. This is blaming the aggressor. Or the aggressor blaming, blaming the victim. I'm sorry. This is the aggressor blaming the victim. It is, it is ridiculous what Turkey is going to attempt to claim here. And I hope everybody stands and goes, cut it out. Cut it out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, just around the corner, we're going to talk with Dr. Wendy Patrick. And I've asked Wendy if we can speak specifically to the situation with General Flynn, Michael Flynn. I want to talk about Flynn because today we heard that Flynn is going to take the fifth. Flynn is going to avoid answering questions. And uh, it's it just it's just crazy. In my mind, it's just crazy. And it's doubly crazy when you remember what President Trump said during the campaign when taking the Fifth Amendment was something that Hillary Clinton's people were were going to to do in the investigation of the email servers. Remember that? She has people taking the Fifth Amendment. Four people plus the guy who illegally did the server. You know, he put it in the illegal server. So there are five people taking the Fifth Amendment, like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the Fifth If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? I wonder how many times that's going to be played for Michael Flynn. 
I wonder how many people are going to say, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Seriously. I still believe Lois Lerner is guilty of sin, and most of that belief in Lois Lerner's guilt comes from the simple fact that she refused to testify, instead taking the Fifth. And where is Lois Lerner today? Oh, she's in prison. No, she's not in prison. Lois Lerner is enjoying her retirement from her second home. And uh, I think she gets a lovely government pension. She, she probably gets that great government health care forever and ever and ever. Right? Yeah, of course she does. So, General Flynn, I do have a problem. I do have a problem with you taking the Fifth Amendment. I think it's going to cause just more problems for this administration. I think it's going to prolong the investigation and especially on the heels of Jim Comey, the former FBI director saying, yeah, right after Memorial day, I'll come in and I'll, I'll, I'll answer everybody's questions. I'll, I'll bring files. I'll bring donuts. I'll bring it all. We'll, we'll have a, a, an all, all hands on deck, all questions accepted. And sure, if something, uh, something top secret comes up, they're going to go into a skiff and they won't take it publicly. But I think this is just bad news, very bad news for the administration. And it's frankly, it's what the news media needed while Trump is having a great first few days on his overseas trip. When we get back, Dr. Wendy joins us. I want to know what she thinks about General Flynn taking the fifth and if she has anything else to add from Graceland. That's next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I know she's listening in Memphis, so let me give you a little Donald Trump flashback before we welcome Dr. Wendy Patrick. She has people taking the Fifth Amendment. Four people plus the guy who illegally did the server. You know, he put it in the illegal server. So there are five people taking the Fifth Amendment, like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the Fifth Amendment. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Mm, good question. Good question. Michael Pelka is sitting here in the second half of today's Piero Pelka. And we're welcoming her in just a little bit early. Dr. Wendy Patrick is joining us from Memphis. I understand possibly even on the grounds of Graceland. Uh, Dr. Wendy, are you still at Graceland? I am, Mike. Thank you so much for, for having me. And to talk about really such an important 
development in terms of the Russia investigation, Michael, Mike taking the, uh, Michael Flynn taking the Fifth Amendment. But I do have to say, it doesn't necessarily mean he's guilty. And I know that, I know what Donald Trump said. I remember, I think you and I talked about it back then. Um, but really, there's precedent for the fact that these subpoenaed documents, taking the Fifth Amendment and not turning over the subpoenaed documents, uh, that could be considered some kind of testimony in the future where he were to give the documents. So in an abundance of caution, it's really not a surprise that his legal team has advised him to do exactly what he's doing. I don't think anybody is surprised. Well, after watching um, Lois Lerner with the IRS scandal targeting conservatives take the fifth over and over again, and she ended up fine with a nice cushy retirement. Uh, I, I don't, why would anyone testify? Why would you ever? Well, it's also interesting, Mike, because remember, um, originally he was looking for immunity, couldn't get that. So I'm not sure if they weren't able to provide immunity, why anybody would have thought that all of the documents and testimony they want would have been forthcoming. And in fact, we may just be going through the legal motions that maybe is only a surprise to those that haven't been tuning into your weekly show, because I know we've, I feel like we've been teasing this almost since he uh, tendered his resignation in February. So what happens now, and and this also ties back to the the appointment of Robert Mueller, because many fear that would provide a chilling effect on proceedings just like this. In other words, because now there is an official, independent, special, I keep wanting to say prosecutor, we'll call it a special counsel only because that's the nomenclature that's been used, that people like General Flynn will be even less forthcoming and even more protective of their private information than they would have been otherwise. Well, question for you, because, again, this is totally out of my my skill set. If he came out initially and said, I'll testify, but I'd like immunity. They said no immunity and slapped him with the subpoena. He said, I intend to take the fifth. Is this a a bargaining chip? Could they come back and say, "Okay, we'll give you immunity, but you have to testify? Yeah, you you always have the best questions, Mike, because that is one of them. And what would that look like then if they were able to grant him that kind of immunity? You know, the the world wants to know what he has to say. And you can imagine those discussions are taking place behind the scenes. But whether or not that's actually going to happen, um, probably not. I mean, you and I have been wrong before here because this is all unprecedented, uncharted territory. But it probably won't happen, um, at least not in the near future. Could could Robert Mueller and the special counsel, well, he's going to take some time to set up, could they offer him some sort of protection as well? Because this is from the, the uh, congressional hearings. Well, you got to wonder, they're probably going to be watching closely what's happening now, because you're right, this is in connection with the congressional committee, but it's all interrelated. In other words, you've got a couple of different committees looking into the same conduct, so we can only assume that General Flynn's legal team is going to answer each one of those requests exactly the same. And the, the, the committees that are looking at these requests are probably going to be taking a cue from one another. So it's unlikely he's going to be offered immunity. But i got to tell you, having just said that, it's almost impossible in this administration to make the kind of predictions we're used to making because everything seems to be a case of first impression. Yeah, nothing Nothing is as it seems. Everything is precedent set, setting, and right. it's all it's all uncharted waters on just about all you know, of this stuff. 
It so, is. And the last two weeks have been particularly interesting and precedent setting is we've not seen anything unfold the way it has the last two weeks. I mean, the president's probably glad he's doing the out of country tour because it's a lot less heated out there than it is at home in Washington, D.C., that's for sure. Yeah, things are crazy. We're talking to Dr. Wendy Patrick. Wendy Patrick, Ph.D. is where you find more information about Wendy, wendypatrickphd.com. Wendy, I, you're at Graceland. There's no way I can get around this because you're someplace I long to visit. I have not gone there. Did you see the television with the bullet hole in it? No. You know, we, we went through so quickly, I didn't even see that. I, I felt like I'd seen it all. But, Mike, I, are you telling me I missed something? I got to go back in. <laughs> well, you know, Elvis shot his TV one night. That's legend. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to become more thinking, of an Elvis fan. <laughs> well, when, well, I'm also a lot older than you, so I know all this stuff. But, but this weekend... This weekend in Memphis was this massive barbecue competition. It was the Super Bowl of barbecues. Were you there for that? You know, I wasn't, but we actually went to the um, Franklin Graham. It went to a Franklin Graham event last night. So it's American Purse, Billy Graham, and they're all in town as well. So it appears to be a very busy week in Memphis. A great time to be here. I'm just glad I got to do your show, just like always. Well, I'm very appreciative of it. I'm I'm wishing we could have been there with you in Memphis, plus the Franklin Graham event, Samaritan's Purse, which, wow, and, and while I have you, I know I only have a minute or two left. Sure. Did they mention, are they getting back involved with the Ebola because Ebola's again firing up in the Congo? They were the ones who, who really led the charge and helped out greatly in the last Ebola That's outbreak. right. Yes, that is something. Just this the whole the the places they go, the things they do, the the hope they bring to the suffering all over the world, including as you mentioned, areas that are affected by these killer diseases. That actually was something um, that was talked about last night, and I'm so impressed you know that because so much of the world doesn't understand Samaritan's Purse is almost the the first people in to provide aid and medical attention, even in these war torn areas where people are afraid to venture. They're there, they're on the front lines, and they're saving lives every day what what an amazing story and i wow i can't i'm i'm happy you were there to to drink it all in and share it with us there's a little bit of yeah breaking news from this show courtesy of dr wendy patrick <laughs> the uh the the franklin graham group samaritan's purse which you need to find out about because when everyone else is running away from a problem samaritan's purse internationally runs toward it and in the case of the ebola virus you couldn't have a more frightening disease, and yet these doctors and some of these aid workers just don't think about themselves. They just go in and think about the people and the, the area, and they bring aid and comfort and hope, and in, in many cases, groundbreaking medicine that is, is right now leading to a possible vaccine. But, you know, we're still years away from that. Dr. Wendy Patrick, thank you, my friend. I so appreciate you. Uh, stepping out of Graceland to <laughs> to give us an update, but you have to go back inside. And uh, while you're there, I'm would on you my pick way up... back in. I'm going back in to find the bullet hole. <laughs> yes, yeah, stop, stop at the gift shop and pick up some Love Me Tender shampoo and cream rinse because I'm almost out you of mine. You got mind. it. Um, you got it. I'm going to ship it to you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Doctor Wendy. Thank you. There she goes, Doctor Wendy Patrick, our our friend who also. Um, well, she is a, a lawyer, a trial lawyer. She's a, someone who's been in the courtroom. 
And that's why I, I go to her and uh, get the information on these topics. Like, like what does it mean when you can, uh, you can take the fifth and, and still not have people think you're guilty? I tend to think it kind of points like you're not exactly innocent. Am I wrong? No, I don't think I am. But we'll see. Maybe Flynn uses this to continue bargaining and, and he, he will try and get himself some sort of form of immunity. I'm stepping aside for a break. When we get back, we have to find out, oh, there's, there's more news from, from the Trump speech. Uh, Chris Matthews just can't stop thinking about the Trumps and the, the Romanovs and Uday and Qusay. It, it's really, it's crazy talk, but it's talk I think you'll enjoy. And um, I, President Bush was on TV this weekend, too. I have to share some of that with you, as well as, where's the other crazy one? There's one other, oh, Mike Pence and the kids who walked out of the graduation because the vice president was speaking. We'll deal with that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, I love the Internet. I love technology. I, I think it's just fantastic. We embrace as much technology as we can. But today, as President Trump lands in Israel, it happened this morning. They were wheels down just around six o'clock this morning, East Coast time. And now he's had a pretty busy day already. Um, the Internet's going crazy, showing us a grainy video zooming in, apparently uh, claimed by some people to show Melania Trump slapping Donald's hand away. He was reaching to hold her hand as they were walking on the tarmac. Really, this is what we're going to pay attention to? <laughs> this is the... This is the big breaking news. Trump's don't hold hands walking from Air Force One to Terminal. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny what people will latch on to. And maybe maybe she was just she was just tired. Let him walk with Netanyahu. You know, it's just funny though. It is it is everywhere. Everywhere. But the president and uh Benjamin Netanyahu just finished their their press conference, their press event, and was very complimentary. Again, these are these are two guys who agree on just a whole lot on strength, on taking on the uh, radical Islamic terrorists, and their their friendship means a lot to each other. President Trump talked about it today. We reaffirm the unbreakable bond of friendship between Israel and the United States, a friendship built on our shared love of freedom, our shared belief in human dignity, and our shared hope for an Israel at lasting peace. We want Israel 
to have peace. But we are more than friends. We are great allies. We have so many opportunities in front of us. But we must seize them together. We must take advantage of the situation. And there are many, many things that can happen now that would never have been able to happen before. And we understand that very well. That in- I, think, I think that's great. I think the president saying that uh, we're, we're great friends and we're great allies and that we're going to work together and seize the opportunities. Uh, the, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, also had great praise for President Trump and America's action against the chemical weapons in Syria. How much we appreciate the change in American policy on Iran, which you enunciated so clearly just an hour ago. I want you to know how much we appreciate your bold decision to act against the use of chemical weapons in Syria. And I want to tell you also how much we appreciate the reassertion of American leadership in the Middle East. I look forward to working closely with you to confront the dangers we face together in this violent, violent and volatile Middle East. Could there, could, there be, could there be any more clear and yet diplomatically subtle rebuke of the Obama policies of the past eight years? Could there be anything <laughs> smoother than Benjamin Netanyahu delivering a punch in a velvet glove to the Obama legacy on our relationship with Israel. How much I appreciate your clarity on Iran. How much I appreciate your bold decision to act against the use of chemical weapons in Syria. Something that had been called a line in the sand, a red line in the sand when Obama was president. Trump didn't wait. This, this, these little nuggets from Netanyahu just make my day. And there are a few more that I have to share with you. Uh, the president and the prime minister, this visit's going to be short because the president has to take care of a little business and then uh, head off to meet with the pope. Kind of, kind of remarkable, the trip that he's on, right? He's meeting with the leaders of the Muslim world, people that during the campaign, no one would have seen this happening, 55 leaders from Muslim nations. And now with uh, the president and then the prime minister of Israel, and he's going to meet with Abbas as well, and then off to meet the pope. Not just an international trip, but possibly a record-setting international trip for President Trump. And so far, other than the allegations of a slapped hand on the tarmac, I don't see any missteps. Do you? If you think you do, let me know. Come on back after the break. We'll we'll be here on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Oh, boy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the third hour of Puro Pelk as we kick off another week, and it's going to be a very busy week, I'm telling you. I'm making plans, though, to do something kind of interesting. In two weeks, two weeks from today, I believe the show will be coming to you live from Dallas, Texas. I believe two weeks from today, we will be in the Blaze headquarters, God willing, and coming to you live. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm coming to Dallas is to, to do a fill-in, a couple of fill-ins for Glenn Beck when he's on vacation. And uh, I, I heard yesterday about an amazing program that I have to see in person. And we are trying to get the artist responsible for this program to join us as well. He is uh, a man who does some great paintings. And uh, I, I think once, once you hear his name, you will say, yes, I've heard about this artist. His work is, is growing in importance and uh, getting all kinds of significance. Uh, the series of portraits is called Portraits of Courage a commander-in-chief's tribute to America's warriors. These are oil paintings and the stories of the, the people in the paintings, of the subjects. And they are American military veterans. This is part of George Bush's exhibit at the Bush Center in Dallas. And I heard the president speak yesterday about the exhibit, about the book of the Portraits of Courage, and how he started painting, because you, you don't normally think of George W. Bush as, as a talented artist, at least I didn't. And then we started hearing about some of his paintings. But the former president opened this exhibit in March, and it's going to stay there at the Bush Presidential Center on the SMU campus until October 1st. You have to book your, your visit ahead of time. You can't just show up. So if you want to know more about it, you can go to bushcenter.org, bushcenter.org, and reserve a visit. This is, um, th this is a story that means a lot to the president. If we can today, I'll play you a clip from the interview I heard yesterday. He talked of what inspired him to paint. And it was something written by Winston Churchill. And the president basically said, if he can paint, I can paint. <laughs> and he started painting. And now he, he's doing everything in his post-presidential life to support the troops, support the wounded veterans. Today, there is a golf tournament in Dallas. I wish I were in Dallas today to be a part of that. And uh, it is a, a golf tournament mostly with veterans who who are injured, lost a leg, lost an arm, lost two legs. And it's uh, got to be a powerful, powerful event. And then going forward, the Byron Nelson tournament will be run to benefit the work to help veterans done by the Bush Center. Uh, George Bush is uh, intent, as he says, on, on helping the veterans and their families make a successful transition to civilian life. And he talks about not just the injuries that we have witnessed, but the ones that we can't see, the scars that are inside. 
you can really tell a lot about this guy based on on what he's doing in his post-presidential life. Uh, I, I haven't heard much uh, about President Bush and Laura Bush doing anything other than service, kind of the way Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was, in, in my lifetime, either the first or the second worst president, in my experience. But his post-presidential life, building houses with Habitat for Humanity, I don't think you can find a better example of, uh, of service by a post-president. I, I just think that that's remarkable stuff. So Jimmy Carter gets applause. Uh, George W. Bush gets applause. I think he's really just starting his work. He also is using his love of golf to make sure that he raises as much money as he can to help these, these heroes. So if you want to know more information, you can go to bushcenter.org, bushcenter.org. It's in Dallas on the campus at SMU. And I have reached out. Hopefully, we'll be able to squeeze a phone call into this show from the former president and see if he can talk about the work they're, they're doing there. I'm happy to walk the halls and look at the portraits as well and do a, a recorded piece. But it's uh, so powerful. The, the portraits really are good. And it's, it's not a skill I expected to find in, in the former president. You know, we've seen some of the other paintings, and they're, they're fascinating. But this one really took me by surprise. If you're familiar with it, then you know. You know what we need to do? We need to get him to sign some books that we could give away. That would be a good idea. Very good idea. He did say that uh, his his mom and dad are recovering. I, I don't know if you remember, uh, right around the holidays, it seemed like it, things were um, things were not good for Poppy Bush and uh, Barbara Bush, and he were both sick. And he said they're both up in in Maine. One assumes Kenny Bunkport, and apparently the air and the lifestyle up there are very good for them. So. God bless the Bushes for doing good things. And speaking of people who need God's help and intervention, um, can I transition over to Maxine Waters? Can I just, can we have some fun with Auntie Max? You know, I get a lot of heat because I tend to play a lot of clips from Maxine Waters, the congresswoman from California, who's been elected and elected and elected and elected and who has done nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing on and on and on. I think she's had three bills gotten through in almost 30 years of air quotes time service to this nation. So when I hear Auntie Max is out there, maybe this is her. She thinks this is her moment to get to get Donald Trump impeached. Maybe this will be her crowning achievement and that her 29 plus years of service, air quotes, to this nation will be, will be justified if she can manage to get Donald Trump impeached. Uh, she's doing a lot lately on this. And she's not just talking about impeachment. She's actually doing something she likes to call connecting the dots. And she wants to connect the dots until she gets Trump impeached. Our friends at the Washington Free Beacon noticed it. 
and put together a wonderful supercut. Here's what I've said that we need the information. We need to connect the dots. And we got to drill down. We've got to connect the dots. Get the facts. Connect the dots. Do everything that I possibly can to help uh, connect the dots. I've said we've got to connect the dots. I've always said if we connect the dots, I believe that they should have to connect the dots if we're able to connect the dots. And if we determine the facts, if the, the dots are connected, uh, let's get to the bottom of it all. Let's see if the dots connect. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind, Charlie. Yes. Yes, Maxine Waters busy connecting the dots. It's a great one, the Washington Free Beacon. If you haven't seen it, I'll tweet out a link to it. I just think somebody's eventually got to point out that she's wasting time and space and government money. In terms of waste, fraud, and abuse... Uh, anybody who's elected over and over again, who serves more than five terms and does not have any significant piece of legislation that they have written or, or, uh, sponsored or co-sponsored, I I think you got to go Republican and or Democrat. If you're just there as a placeholder, if you are only there, if you're only there to keep your party majority in place and you're not contributing I think you have to go. And I think this is one of those places and one of those times that we need to impose the term limit. Term limits would include not just a time, but actually uh, accomplishment. If you're unable to get it now, I'm sure someone's going to say, well, what if you have a Republican House and a Democratic Senate and you can pass your bills in the House, but the Senate's going to veto them? Well, at least you... If you get it through the House, yes. But in the case of Waters, three bills. Three bills and nothing. Maybe we just need a new kind of politician. If you read the Billy Bush interview, Billy Bush talks about wanting to interview Emmanuel Macron, the new president of France. Someone that Donald Trump is actually going to meet. The president's uh, team just announced that he's going to have a sit-down with the new French president. So uh, that, that new type of French politician is going to meet with a new type of American politician. And if you paid attention this weekend on Saturday Night Live, there was also another potential new kind of American politician as Dwayne The Rock Johnson was the host. Now, there was a joke earlier in the week about The Rock could maybe be considered to run for president in 2020. And of course, instantly, Democrats focus grouped it, then ran a poll to see if The Rock could beat Donald Trump. Well, if you only ask Democrats, a blender could beat Donald Trump. A week old popsicle on the sidewalk in August could beat Donald Trump. But could The Rock It was close between Republicans, but it was a landslide for the rock among Democrats. But in the in the monologue on Saturday Night Live, the rock came out. Mr. Johnson, and he was given his smoking jacket as this is the fifth time he's hosted SNL. And when you join the five timers club, you get a smoking jacket. And Alec Baldwin came out and gave him the smoking jacket and made a hint about 
the possibility that The Rock could be running for president. Well, you know, Alec, it, it, it's funny. You know, a lot of people have been telling me lately that, uh, that I should run for president of the United States. Yes, and I, I gotta tell you, it's, it's very flattering. But tonight, I wanna put this to rest and just say once and for all, I'm in. Alec Baldwin pretending to look shocked, and the sketch goes even a little further. Starting tonight, I am running for the President of the United States. And I'm gonna tell you, I've already chosen my running mate. He's also in the Five Timers Club. And like me, he's very well liked. He's charming, universally adored by pretty much every human alive. And the whole time, Alec Baldwin is pretending that he is going to be The Rock's running mate. But he's not. Dwayne, I would be honored to... Mr. Tom Hanks, ladies and And Tom Hanks actually came out on stage and uh, The Rock and Tom Hanks lowered a banner of Johnson Dwayne, Hanks 2020. I possibly... Turn this down. And Alec Baldwin, feeling left out, nominates himself for a cabinet position. And as we're looking at this crazy idea of Dwayne The Rock Johnson running for president, I'm reminded of the time that a Republican governor from California, a one-time movie actor, who actually made movies with a chimpanzee named Bonzo, was laughed at by many who said, you're not going to elect a guy who acted with monkeys, are you? And in my lifetime, turned out to be one of the better presidents we've ever had. So when you laugh about The Rock running for office, remember that we have a reality star slash businessman currently in the office, And one of the best presidents we ever had, in my opinion, was a guy who acted with monkeys. Bedtime for Bonzo. Look it up. (laughs) It was a real thing. When we get back, uh, there's more today. I don't know whether we're going to play you the Elizabeth Warren tape or, uh, well, there's there's plenty more to get into. and, And we'll dig into some of the weird news next on Pure Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I have some strange news to share, some weird, wonderful, 
wacky stories, but I also have to remind you, if you haven't done this, I'm really, I'm really shocked. And my, one of my jobs here is to prevent you from making the mistakes I make. One of my tasks is to make certain that you, the smartest radio audience, are also the healthiest radio audience. So that's why I keep reminding you, why are you waiting? Check out Relief Factor. It's the all-natural anti-inflammatory that I use. It helps thousands of people. And it helps a lot of people here at The Blaze. I had knee pain from years of running, 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 marathons, New York City Marathon twice, hundreds of other races. And I was taking handfuls of over-the-counter pain medication, you know, the little green gel pills. And it would help, but I would have to be taking them all the time. And I didn't think that was good. So I finally got the three-week quick start pack from Relief Factor. It's all natural. It's an anti-inflammatory. You remove the inflammation. Guess what? The pain's not there. And eight days after I started taking it, no pain. And I am in my 10th week right now. Absolutely without any of the -the over-the-counter meds. I don't take prescription meds. It's called Relief Factor. Call them. Talk to one of their people. 800-500-8384. 800 ReliefFactor.com has more information. But if you listen to Doc Thompson, you listen to me, you listen to Brad Staggs, and you've heard some of the testimonials, ReliefFactor.com. Get the three-week quick start pack. So much going on today. And there is, there's some, we have to get into what John McCain said and what Jason Chaffetz said about the leakers and the leaks and some of the other stuff over the weekend. But there is, there's kind of some ironic news floating around out there. Uh, The Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus closed up, folded up its tent, waka, 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 over the weekend. 146 years. I went to high school with Charles Ringling. Yes, he was part of the family. We visited the Circus World Museum as kids. I attended the circus. Our family attended the circus. But you know what? It feels like the era of the circus is gone. It feels like we've all outgrown the circus. And while I'm sad to see a business go away, I also understand that things have life cycles. And seems to me like the circus has gone just the way, I guess you might say, big game hunting, safari type things are on the way out. Now, I know it's everybody's choice. If it's legal, you're allowed to do it. But I see this story over the weekend about a guy who went big game hunting in South Africa. And you wonder if the irony alert should have been burning brightly. He shot an elephant, and it fell on him and killed him. If you're hunting for food, uh, that's fine. I think that's great. I'm not a big fan of the trophy hunting. If it's legal, of course, you're allowed to do it. But once the elephants left the circus, the circus died. And on the same weekend that we wrapped up the circus is the story of this big game hunter who bags an elephant, and the elephant had the last bit of revenge, falling on the guy and taking him out. Irony. 
Uh, there's dumb news, too. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I am ready to share with you some of the wonderful audio of the week and the weekend. And my computer gave me the uh, the rainbow pinwheel of death. So I have to share a couple more dumb stories with you. Uh, do you remember uh, the clock boy? Remember the kid in Dallas who got thrown out of school because the clock that he made for the science project, which really was a Radio Shack clock that he purchased and took apart and then put back together. Uh, remember that whole case, and he sued for $14 million, and last week they threw all the suits out? Well, you know, we apparently haven't learned our lesson about bomb things that are really clocks. Here's a story out of Virginia. A woman... A woman got arrested. Why? She, you could say she was arrested for being stupid. Daphne Page was arrested Friday after somebody was walking by the parking lot at, uh, at her, her home in Virginia. The car, her car was at a shopping mall at a home in, near her home in Virginia. And in the backseat of the car, somebody saw a device... It looked like sticks of dynamite bundled together. And guess what? There were wires going to it. So somebody called the police. Somebody said, this looks like a a bomb in this car. And the police came and removed the device, which appeared to look like a bunch of bundled sticks of dynamite. Turns out it was a clock she bought at a yard sale for a dollar. Now, police, when they removed the device, they used a robot, which makes you wonder how many windows they broke to get this $1 clock out of the car. Why was she arrested? Why was she arrested? She said she didn't realize the clock shaped like a bundle of dynamite would scare people. She thought it was obviously a fake. Obviously, she did. Obviously, she's going to spend some time fighting that in court. She was arrested? To say nothing of the fact of what's going to happen to her insurance rates when they say, well... We had to put in all new windows in the car, a new windshield, and uh, yeah, the robots might have done some damage. Also over the weekend, Mike Pence, the vice president, was at Notre Dame. He was speaking at Notre Dame as the commencement speaker, and how great would it be? It's, uh, I, I likened it here to a friend of mine in uh, Delaware who was saying, well, why, why was Pence even invited if... If Notre Dame knows he's partially controversial or somewhat controversial, I said, well, he he was the governor of Indiana. You're in Indiana. It's kind of like having Joe Biden come and speak at a graduation at a university in Delaware. 
Oh, well, he's beloved. Well, there's a lot of people in, in Indiana who love Mike Pence. It's a red state. But a bunch of the snowflakes decided they didn't want the vice president speaking. So they, they raised their hands and complained. And the university said, sorry, we've invited him. He's going to be here. Well, instead of staying and listening to something they might not agree with, a bunch of the snowflakes got up and walked out. And as they were walking out, a pretty substantial number, some of the people decided they were going to boo the little babies. If you listen closely, you can hear the booing. The kids are filing out, and the, the boos stopped because people wanted to hear the vice president speak. To his credit, Vice President Pence did not address the snowflakes. He let them walk out. Now, some people are saying that this was, a, this was an act of protest. This was their act of defiance. Was it really? Would it have killed you that much to sit there and listen to the vice president of the country? And what's going to happen when you get out of Notre Dame now and maybe you get a job in the real world? And uh, are you going to are you going to litmus test the president and vice president of the company you go to work for a little snowflake? Are you going to stop buying gas from companies that, that you might not agree with the principles or the beliefs or the politics of the executives? Is that what you're going to do? I really don't get it. One of the faithful listeners to this show wrote and said that um, Maxine Waters was the commencement speaker at her graduation, and she managed to endure it. You never know. You, you actually might learn something by listening to somebody you disagree with. That's one of the things that we talk about on this show. You can, you can uh, disagree without being disagreeable. And guess what? The world isn't going to be all the same as you. The, the opinions out there are going to differ from yours. So little snowflakes who laughed, and I notice, I notice uh, CNN is coddling up to some of them, inviting some of the, those who walked out onto their show, and, and they are, as I expected, pure snowflakes. I wish I were there to give them snowflake trophies. I wonder if Doc Thompson has any of those left. Uh, back to the, the, the business at hand. Steve Bannon and Reince Priebus reportedly left the president's international tour and came back to the White House to get things rolling again, which means maybe we're going to get some action moving on a new budget that is apparently headed to Congress, a new plan from the White House that hopefully will also then get us on the road to tax reform and hopefully get us on the road to dealing with the eventual removal and replacement of Obamacare. But first we have to get through the investigations that we were talking about with Dr. Wendy. And in those investigations, we also need to deal with the leaks. Jason Chaffetz was on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos, and he talked about wanting the White House leaker, 
prosecuted. And, and I completely agree with Jason Chaffetz. Even though he's only here for a short time, I want him to get maximum activity before he gets out of here. I don't care who it is, Democrat or Republican, you cannot have that happen. So not only do you need to wall him off, you probably put, ought to put some handcuffs on him and put him in jail. He's talking about people in the White House who leak. No matter who's in the White House, you cannot have the type of leaking of information, sources, methods, uh, classified information. Yeah, I agree. We got to step back and let the investigators and the FBI and the others do their job. Yes, we do. But we also then need to have consequences when we find out what's going on. We need to, there to be actual actual uh, perp walking going on. We need some of those people to be dragged out of their offices. I don't know if that's going to happen. And I am worried that the leakers are such, there's so many of them, that many of them might be from the current administration. A lot of people are saying these have to be leftovers from Obama. No, they don't. These could be people who have been part of this administration, and for whatever reason, they don't feel like they're getting their agenda pushed through, so they're going to muddy up the waters on things. They're going to muck it up, and I'm not appreciative of it. One of the people who was also out there this weekend hitting the rounds on the talk shows uh, was John McCain. McCain. McCain was also... I have to give McCain credit, and I've been a harsh critic of John McCain in the past. I have to give McCain credit because he has not only spoken out about the Turkish embassy situation, saying that we ought to just round up the Turkish ambassador and his thugs and throw them out of the country, which I support. But McCain has been highly critical of allowing the, the Russians into the Oval Office. He was talking about Sergei Lavrov getting into the Oval Office, and he wasn't pleased about it. Mr. Lavrov is the stooge of a thug and a murderer who used Russian precision weapons to strike hospitals in Aleppo. So McCain calls Lavrov a stooge of a thug and a murderer, and that would be Putin. And he didn't stop there. I don't know how to read it except that uh, I, I, I don't, I'm almost speechless because I don't know how to, how, why someone would say something like that. He's talking about the president telling the Russians that he fired Comey because he was a nut job. Crazy, a real nut job. And listen to McCain. He really is kind of speechless here. I don't know how to read it except that uh, I, I, I don't, I'm almost speechless because I don't know how to, how, why someone would say something like that. Well, right now it's an allegation. We don't have any proof that those were the actual words said, and we will find out. McCain also continued the rant on Sergey Lavrov. Doesn't want him in the Oval Office, doesn't want him coming to Washington to talk to the president. He had no business in the Oval Office. Not this stooge Lavrov, who is nothing but a propagandist. And you know what? John McCain? Tough-talking John McCain? Hey, boy, oh boy, I kind of dig it. I think that's fantastic. So I have to salute you, sir. Uh, I've only got, uh, geez, I've got one more break. I have to get to a couple of more important little clips from uh, the weekend, and we'll share those with you just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, I don't know where the show went. It blew by so quickly. Thanks to Dr. Wendy for checking in from Graceland and helping us understand Michael Flynn taking the Fifth Amendment. I I think that's a pretty big deal. I wonder if there is still a negotiation going on. I wonder if they're going to try and come up with some kind of a deal so that Flynn gets immunity if he will testify. Also, thanks to Cal from the Morning Blaze from stopping in. Uh, Cal, who is a Muslim American and a guy I really appreciate his clarity. I wanted to know how Muslims felt about the speech that Donald Trump gave to the 55 Muslim leaders. And Cal said he wished the president would talk like that in a more measured tone here in America. And, you know, I I thought the speech was pretty good. The pacing on it seemed weird, but I think that was that was having to do with two different factors, having to let a translator stay on top of things and having uh, Trump stick to the actual script. You know what I'm saying? He did not stray from the script. There were no ad libs in the speech. The president is um, is hanging uh, with uh, the Israelis and then will be meeting with the Palestinians tomorrow and then off to Rome to meet with the Pope. And there's some some sort of meetings going on with the Italian government and then the G7 meetings. We'll cover all of it all throughout the week, the president's trip and what's going on at home, because there could be some some big deals going on here at, at home. We're hoping. Uh, and we also have to send out a big thanks to the crew in Dallas who makes all of this happen and makes me sound good. Uh, not smart, but good. They make me sound good. I, I have to be responsible to sound smart myself. Uh, there's, there's a gentleman uh, who, who is the son of Mr. Lynch that I have to thank. He's the guy who really pushes all the buttons. But I give Mr. Lynch all the credit for keeping his son on the straight and narrow. Um, I can't give the kid credit. I have to give his dad credit. He's the guy who's responsible. And have have you seen Time Magazine? The newest edition of Time Magazine and the the online image that you can see on Twitter features the White House merged with the Kremlin. The people from Mad Magazine are more than ticked off because they did this basic image weeks ago. Time Magazine, I think you owe somebody an apology. Time Magazine, you stole a concept. Time Magazine, does anybody wonder why you're not relevant anymore? I hope somebody smacks them on this one. I would sue if I were Mad Magazine. Maybe they just think it's funny. The time is so lame, they're stealing concepts from a humor magazine, but there it is. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, we will give you updates on everything from the tour, as well as, uh, I think we're going to have a uh, a special segment, hopefully from Dallas, 
with the former president on his portrait series. And uh, maybe, maybe some special car news. I got breaking news about a car. Oh, and it, right now, if you have the tennis channel, turn it on. Riley Opelka is playing in France on clay at the French Open. And uh, it's darn well worth the admission. It's actually a replay. He already won, or I wouldn't tell you to watch. Seriously. So you have a choice. You can hang out and listen to Chris Salcedo, the Liberty-loving Latino, or you can watch Riley Opelka win in Paris. I'm going to tape Riley and listen to Salcedo. Seriously, that's what I'm doing. See you tomorrow. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.